This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody, for what will be your uh, Tuesday episode of Locked On Browns. Um, it's We'll get with John Costco tomorrow. Uh, I, I hate to do the shows when teams still have a game. Um, and yeah, we did the crossover with the Jets. Talked about everything 12 hours later. Sam Darnold got diagnosed with mono. So that whole episode just basically went to squat. So we'll, you know, let New England get through the Monday night. We'll get with John tomorrow. Crossover. Obviously, a bunch of stuff still coming this week. Uh, so, you know, we'll get here to the Tuesday episode. Uh, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, obviously Pete from Browns Maven through the uh, umbrella of Sports Illustrated. Your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Brown-wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, Pete, the, the trades continue to come, uh, Gary and Conley. And I do believe Gary and Conley was the person who first intercepted Baker Mayfield returned for a touchdown. He's now moved on to the Houston Texans for a third round pick. Um, everybody relax. The third round pick that Houston moved for Gary and Conley, they achieved in the Jadavian Clowney trade. Duke Johnson is three dressing appearances away from the Browns getting the Houston Texans third round pick in the 2020 draft. Houston currently possessed two third round picks. That's how they're able to do this. They wouldn't have been able to do this without the extra third round pick. If they, let's say they traded their actual third round pick, the one that the Browns would get in this scenario um, by the rule, the Houston Texans would then have to give the Browns their second round pick, because if you don't have your actual pick agreed to, it actually goes up around. So that would have been the better scenario. But yeah, they had an extra pick. Um, I don't know why John Gruden never liked Gary and Conley, but John Gruden never liked Gary and Conley. And no, and uh, they because we had, had talked about that. We had talked about this last year. It kind of seemed like he he was there for the taking, so to speak, and maybe what would it take to get it done? Yeah, Gary and Conley, and Carl Joseph just never seemed to be guys that Gruden wanted, and it seems like he's willing to trade anything that's not nailed down so he can get guys that he wants uh, that are essentially his guys. Now, when those guys never really don't work, uh, it'll be a question for, you know, whoever the GM is at that point, assuming if it's Mayock or if it's someone else, they'll get thrown under the bus. But um, it's strange to me that they gave up on Gary and Conley so quickly. They took very little for him. Um, but you know, the Houston Texans are win yesterday, essentially, with the amount of picks they're giving up. So it's not an unreasonable deal for Houston by any stretch. I, I'm i a little more iffy on it from the Raiders' standpoint. Um, the Raiders, look, you had a bunch of, you know, and look, the defense isn't getting it done. And look, yeah, oh, man, a whole bunch of guys got taken, taken behind the woodshed yesterday by Aaron Rodgers. Guess what? That list is long. It's extremely long of a bunch of young defensive backs that Aaron Rodgers had his way with. Um, he was cost-controlled. Maybe he should have seen it at least play it out. And then in the offseason, is this a guy we're going to ride or die with or not? Um, but, you know, the, the Raiders, I guess, for a reason, you know, even if they have some things that are starting to gel, uh, find a reason to, you know, create some holes elsewhere. Because God knows the one thing that team is lacking is its depth. Uh, good luck to Gary and Conley. Um, for for Gary and Conley, this is the greatest thing in the world. I mean, you just went from whatever is going on with the Oakland to now soon to be Las Vegas 
Raiders. Now you are with a legit team with legit aspirations. Um, yeah, they lost yesterday. The AFC, South, the AFC South is definitely up for grabs. I would definitely say it was between those teams, even with Tennessee winning yesterday, even with Jacksonville winning yesterday. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is shown well. Um, if you're going to tell me it's, you know, you're going to think the team's going to win that has Deshaun Watson or the team that has Jacoby Brissett. Pete, I'm going to go with Deshaun Watson in this one. Between Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson, I mean, I'll take Watson, but I think it's closer than, than people want to admit. And that's largely because I think Deshaun Watson is overrated um, in terms of people have been trying to elevate him to the level of being a top 10 quarterback. And I don't think he's there, but that doesn't mean he's bad by any stretch. I think he's more in that probably 12 to 15 range. But Jacoby Brissett is certainly above 20. Uh, and I don't think he's made Colts fans forget about Andrew Luck, but he's certainly delivering on what he, he showed to be glimpses of being capable of in the past. Uh, I think uh, I, I've always maintained, I think the ceiling for the, the Colts is lower with Brissett, but that doesn't mean they are not a very good team. I thought the, the ceiling with the Colts with Luck was, potentially a Super Bowl, and I still think the Colts with Jacoby Brissett can be a, a, a division-winning team. They can be a dangerous playoff team. I just don't know if they can get quite to the Super Bowl. I think it's it's similar to when you know they started with Peyton, and even now it's a little bit stranger this year because you, know, you don't normally go from you know your star, one of the better quarterbacks in the league, to the guy who was standing behind him. But, you know, Brissett's been there for a while. Um, the offensive is top shelf. Um, you're getting key contributions from other guys other than Hilton, other than Ebron, other than Mack, a guy like Zach Pascal yesterday. They find a way to get it done. The defense has a little more pass rush to it. Obviously, they took a, uh, you know, a, a tough hit uh, two weeks ago with the loss of Kamoko to Ray. Uh, this might be one where Indy is just one more offseason and draft away from maybe being – possibly the preeminent team in the you know AFC but Indy for you know all the work it's done starting to show some uh you know definitely starting to show some fruition in that aspect right uh, look i mean the colts have some issues and a lot of them are injury based it feels like they've lost their entire secondary twice to injuries um and they have a really impressive offensive line, which I think is is really made uh, Jacoby Brissett's life much easier, uh, which is obviously not the case for Deshaun Watson. Uh, and I think they've got a lot of things that make them fund the Colts fundamentally sound, which sort of make them less likely to have you know these huge mistakes uh, or have like a three week span where they get blown out twice and maybe eke one out by winning by one point. They seem like a team that has a lot of stability to them. Yeah, they, they, they don't, they're, they're a team that always stays in game and they don't necessarily win them all, but they always are around. Um, And a large part of that is because they don't, they don't give up a lot of ground. They don't have a lot of dynamic pass rushers, but both sides of the, both sides of the ball have a lot of big, tough guys that can just don't give up a lot of ground. And that certainly makes life a lot easier uh, for a quarterback who can benefit off the running game, stay protected and all those things. 
and has a lot of weapons that can be very effective from uh, T.Y. Hilton to Eric Ebron to some of the other guys they have there. Uh, so they are a steady, consistent presence. They don't, they haven't really, you know, blown up on anyone yet, but they certainly have that potential. Oh, uh, yeah, there's, you know, there's definitely a week where they can drop 40. Um, we'll get to hear uh, the Browns news of the days in a bit, uh, the Browns news of the day, uh, you know, in the next segment here. Uh, we'll get to, uh, you know, some changes going forward here or maybe some reported changes. Uh, Jeff Floyd, Pete Smith from Browns Maven, rolling through on Lockdown Browns. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman swipes. The secret to longer lasting sex, use Roman, the wipes. Uh, it will give you a little more advantage, give you a little more stability, get $10 off your first order of swipes, and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL, all caps. Look, guys, we say it all the time, and apparently it's what we push around here. You uh gonna be a bear, be a grizzly, so to speak. Pete, some news out of practice today. Um, Kareem Hunt is now back in practicing. Um, guys, this isn't it's not significant so much that he's back, you know, able to practice. That's what it works when you're suspended. You're allowed to come back within two weeks of your window. And basically, this is what it is. He can come to practice, he's not really allowed to stick around. He didn't get the get-out-of-jail-free card that Antonio Callaway did, um, but back on the field. But, Pete, the most important part of this is we know he's passed the hernia surgery. Look, whether or not, you know, our personal feelings aside, and everybody who listens to the show, you know our feelings on players such as Kareem Hunt. But the one worry we did have was, is you know, where was he going to be when he wasn't going to be able to round the medical staff and who was going to help him get his proper treatment and his proper rehab but if he's on the field today within that two-week window, things look positive that week 11, Buffalo, you're going to get Kareem on back. Uh, stands to reason that uh, that that's good. It's, week you know, nine, it's one sorry. Of things, it's one of those things where you don't know, you know, how involved he's going to be given the fact that he can't uh, do anything for a couple of weeks. But if he's on scout team, if he's taking some of those reps to get sort of you know, in football shape in terms of taking hits and some of those, that's positive. I expect he's spending a ton of time around uh, Stump Mitchell and uh, doing a lot of work with him to get him, you know, on the, uh, on the right page in terms of the offense and just getting into the habit of doing things the, the way the Browns want. Uh, but yeah, it's one of, you, you don't, you know, it sort of remains to be seen where they want to use him. Clearly he's going to be part of the offense. Uh, when he's eligible, but this two weeks sort of allows him to at least get a little bit of a rhythm going in terms of his own body, even if it's not necessarily with the offense at this point. I expect he's sprinkled in a little bit uh, with with uh, team stuff, but I'm hoping uh, they've got a good plan in terms of sort of getting him ready. Well, and this is where it's the tricky part with Kareem Hunt is, yeah, you're thrilled that he's be able to come back to the practice field, but if he's going to be nothing to you on this Sunday and then the following Sunday, you don't want to do too much. Um, it, it's more of getting him in game shape and, you know, maybe getting those reps that, you know, Hilliard's not going to get. If you want to give Nick a little bit of a softer load because, you know, the the, the amount for Nick on a second year is starting to pick up. No question of whether or not he can handle it. 
but there's no reason Nick needs to be wor- working his ass off on Wednesday, uh, you know, when he makes his money on Sunday, obviously. So you don't want to fall in love with the fact that he's back in practice because he's not part of this game plan. He's not a part of next week's game plan. You're not seeing him until after Denver, which will be Buffalo. So like you said, some scout teams, see where he's at with his routes. You know, are the cuts there where they're supposed to be coming off the hernia surgery? Uh, is he catching the ball well? But his time with, you know, Baker and what's, you know, going to be the, you know, him going into the actual Browns offense, that right now should be limited. And now the other thing is, is you don't get him for meetings. and He's not really there for game plans, wink, wink, however that's worked out. So it's just gradually getting him rehabbed and back into football shape. Yep. Short, simple, sweet. Uh, one of the things here now today, Pete, is it, it seems a lot of the talk is offensive line-wise, Greg Robinson. And look, it's it's not that Greg has been stellar, but it, we've emphasized this a ton. And you know, the talks today where you know Bobby McCray is taking reps at left tackle. Um, and and, and I, I don't know where Kem, Kendall Lamb figures into this equation. But if you're looking at this offensive line right now and, and grading as a whole, is it really fair to say, oh, my God, we've really got to address the Greg Robinson situation? Huh? It seems like a, a scapegoat um, to me because I don't think Greg Robinson is worse than Chris Hubbard. I think Chris Hubbard is god awful. Uh, I think he's more problematic for the offense than anything. I think um, Eric Cush is OK, but he's pretty useless in the running game. Um, so there are two linemen that are good. And, you know, that means there are three that aren't. So, I mean, you can pick on any of them. You, you want to pick on Greg Robinson, okay. You want to pick on any of those other guys, okay. The bottom line is you have three guys that should not be, you know, that that should not, will not, cannot be the plans to start next year. However you want to get there, the rest of this season is largely unimportant to me. Um, if, you know, I cannot imagine Justin McCray is better, uh, but if it's Kendall Lamb, you know, if it's, you know, ultimately getting Wyatt Teller at right guard, if it's ultimately getting Drew Forbes in at right tackle at some point, great. I mean, I, I think Teller and Forbes could potentially be an answer uh, to, to those questions. I mean, but I think for the most part, you're just choosing what weakness you want on the field if it's not Robinson. If that's Kendall Lamb, he's not a great run blocker. If that's just McCray, he's not great at anything. I mean, he's big, but you know, he's just sort of a body. So, I mean, it's so much of this feels like trying to make up for the fact that the the, the plan they had this offseason wasn't very good, and that largely falls on, on John Dorsey. And you know, I like the signing of Kendall Lamb uh, as a swing guy, but yeah. I always sort of looked at this as when they didn't, you know, make make a grand gesture and they did opt to resign Greg Robinson. You're basically saying we're going to try to get through this this year as best we can, and then we're going to make a big play at that position. And Drew Forbes this past, you know, drafting him and in, in round six and potentially getting a guy who could start there uh, would be huge, but you know, everything about Robinson and Hubbard felt like placeholders this year. And we're basically 
trying to fix something that you knew was going to be a problem before the season, and now you're not happy about it. So I don't know. It, it, it definitely seems, you know, any moves they're going to make now is after the fact. And maybe they put way too much emphasis in that second and a half of last season. Look, Greg Robinson was who he was, and it, it's not like this is going to be the end of the road for Greg Robinson. He's going to continue to stay employed and make money. And when it's all said and done, Greg Robinson may walk away from the NFL with $60 million. Uh, Chris Hubbard, another thing, though, um, you know, got the deal. First half was last year was abhorrent, maybe. Uh, they found a way to make it all gel through that second half. And then maybe they, you know, bought into the own, you know, bought into their own hype that, oh, okay, maybe we just can sustain this, sustain this for another season, for another 16 game plus. Um, but, you know, Greg Robinson, Chris Hubbard, they're flawed guys. And, you know, it was only so long before these warts and these flaws were going to come back to show themselves. Sure. Uh, you know, you obviously brought in James Campen. Uh, you were hoping that that would help the situation. But if you thought he was going to come in here and make Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard into great offensive linemen, you were basically believing in, in what it would be football alchemy. You're, you're trying to turn, you know, lead into gold. And that's really, really difficult to do. Uh, and, you know, again, Greg Robinson was never in particular, was never a great fit for what James Campen wants to do. Chris Hubbard is a better fit for what uh, James Campion wants to do, but he's just, there's just not enough of him. He's undersized, he's underpowered, and those things keep becoming a real problem. And, you know, when you play in a division like the AFC North, where you've got a bunch of guys who can bull rush effectively, because that's, you know, that's not an AFC North thing. It just happens to be how their rosters are set. Um, Chris Hubbard always felt like a, a very – miscast player in this in this division so you know if Baker Mayfield doesn't get the ball out or even on some run plays you know Chris Hubbard is essentially getting blown up in the backfield and bubbling plays or you know just not doing anything to you know make a push or anything that's causing some of the play calls that people don't like and I understand but it's largely Freddie Kitchens trying to account for what he has and it's not good on the right side right now so again I, I think you know, some of this feels like moving the deck chairs on the offensive line Titanic at those three spots but again I think they do have some options I, I just don't particularly think you know messing with Greg Robinson is going to fix it now you know maybe they they see something that is worthwhile and just McCray is going to be really really surprising and great uh, I doubt it so you know, I, I, you know, if they ultimately do pull the plug on Greg Robinson, I expect before the the season's done, he's back in there at least one more time because I just don't know if they have anything that's, you know, all that much better. No, there, I, I, there, I, there's nobody. And look, it's not like I, I'm going to stand here in, in on the chair and say no, 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 Greg Robinson. Greg, um, it's not like Greg Robinson is this world beater at left tackle, but you don't, you know, Kendall Lamb, you know. Let's put him on the right side. Or even McCray, oh, well, if you want to do that instead of Chris Hubbard. It just seems weird that, you know, the the finger pointing, if you're going to point it at the offensive line, you ask Joel and JC, you tell them to go get lunch because obviously everybody knows where they're at. 
But uh, if the finger you're going to point is going to be at Craig Robinson, definitely seems to be a, a tad bit of a head in that sense. We're going to get to a couple more things here on Lothon Browns. Obviously, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith. Yeah, so much apparel company here in Cleveland. Uh, a bunch of them. Um, you know where I will always recommend you to go. Zabo, uh, veterans put out work ethic like they did when they were serving. Um, love the shirts. Love all of them. I, I, I'm fans. Um, got a good relationship with some players on this team, whether it's, you know, Gillian, whether it's Joe Schobert. Great people put out a great product. You need Browns gear. Zabo Apparel is the way you need to go. Spend your money. Go ahead and check them out. Pete, I got a couple of changes here that need to happen. Look, if you're going to go into New England this week and you're going to play an established group of secondary players who are smart, who are coached well, it's time for the number 11 experience to die and get number 81 back into the groove here. I don't know what the scenario is. I don't know what the BS is. Healthy in San Francisco, we didn't play him. Dressum didn't play him. You can't put a guy like Antonio Callaway out on the field against the New England Patriots for a significant amount of reps. He's just not an intelligent enough player. He's just not an established enough player to go out there and face a secondary that because they'll play mind games. And guess what? He'll go for the cheese. Um, so one of the things I, I have an issue with Kitchens on is I think he trusts his players too much at times. Uh, there are certain things where it's really, really good and really effective. And obviously, you know, you see that in terms of like Rashad Perryman last year, you're seeing that with Ricky Seals Jones this year. However, and, and, and maybe if, if, if pressed on it, the, they, they'd say that Antonio Callaway was practicing Z for weeks or months or whatever, but he, you know, they put him in there at Z and it just didn't look remotely comfortable. And that seems like a situation where, you know, they probably shouldn't have trusted him, uh, clearly shouldn't have trusted him. And that, you know, obviously burned them in the San Francisco game in particular. Um, you know, the Seahawks game, it appeared to be a big reason, you know, running the wrong route. Uh, really seemed to be the whole thing with what caused the interception on that slant. Uh, granted, Baker Mayfield threw a pass to nothing, which can't happen, but that play seemed to be screwed from the, the get-go, and it was Antonio Callaway. So I think that's part of the problem. And, and, you know, with all the potential that Callaway has, it's easy to fall in love. But Higgins is just a better, more polished receiver at this point. And I'm going to take Freddie at his word on the knee uh, because Freddie hasn't really lied at this point about anything. So that may, whether, you know, I, I, it clearly it sounds like Richard Higgins thinks he was better, better uh, than Kitchens did. Um, we'll see. I, my guess is I'm expecting him to play this week and or against the Patriots. And, and I'm hoping uh, that, in part because with the bye week that, that they're going to do the same thing with Jernard Avery and whatever issues he had in terms of like adding weight and, and getting acclimated to it, whether it's, you know, he, you know, he's essentially figured out the weight or he lost it. I'm hoping that 
you know, they're, they're at a point where they can get him going again, because clearly how they handled it in terms of the off season didn't work. And it looks a lot like, uh, you know, a few players who have gained weight in college because people, you know, basically said they needed to. And uh, I'm trying to think the, the name of the guy, a couple Will Sutton from Arizona state yep. was like one of the most dominant defensive linemen in the country. And he said straight out that he essentially heard all these people say, well, he needed to be 300 pounds. So he got to 300 pounds and he wasn't the same guy. Uh, he did not play nearly as well, was really uncomfortable and, and said as much. He didn't like playing it that way. Uh, but thought, you know, just thought he was, this is what he was supposed to do. You know, the Browns essentially told Avery to do this, but some guys just don't, put on that type of weight well, or maybe in this case, haven't adjusted to it well. So I'm hoping that we're ready to see that sort of get back into normalcy and get back to some of the things he was able to do his rookie year, because, you know, Chad Thomas isn't doing much. Chris Smith still isn't doing anything. So I'm hoping those two things more get, get corrected this week. Uh, you know, look, Chris Smith thing, look, everything that's going on in his life, you know, you feel terrible, but, uh, it's, it's about winning games here now. And if you're sitting a better talent and I'll keep going back to this, you got an issue with it. And look, uh, every major <laughs> D one program. Now, if the athlete will commit to it, their body is usually going to be right when they get to the NFL. They will have the appropriate body mass. They will be the quickest they are. They will be as strong as they can be. They will be at the correct weight. When you take a guy who's only six feet and change and ask him to put on more weight when you know he's already north of 250, recipe for freaking disaster. It's just, it's not like Memphis didn't know what the hell they were doing. They maxed him out and they kept him maxed out. And that's why he was a great player as a rookie because he came in with the same body. Just annoying, and you know, it puts a guy like John Avery in a really tough spot here in his second year, and probably in his career right now. Pete, uh, the difficulty with stopping the running is it maybe time to revisit the fact that you know Wilkes' great four-two-five is fantastic for you, but is it maybe time where if you've got this defensive line, is it time to maybe? Sneak in Sioni Taki Taki and maybe go a little more traditional 4 3 here, a little bit at least in expected running situations. Uh, it's hard to know. It's so much here's the thing Sioni Taki Taki's hamstring just came at the absolute worst time, so it's yep. hard to know where he's at. But he, he had the hamstring and he missed a bunch of time at the end of the preseason and stuff like that, and it seems like he's healthy. I'm hoping he's like good, you know, it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, Joe Schobert obviously was never the same last year until, you know, the off season. And obviously the Browns. And now you, ha- and now you got to question it because they don't have any other linebackers. So every linebacker, it's like, well, you're dressing because we only have freaking five of you. So you don't truly know the answer to that. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, you, you just don't know, you know, linebacker as opposed to like, you know, having, um, you know, the corners where you have to have them, you know, they have to be able to go quick twitch because it's just the nature of the position. And if you don't, you know, that that sets them up for another bad situation. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, again, you have the bye week. You're, you're hoping he's healthy. You're hoping he's sort of be able to get back in the action. And if nothing else, you know, situ- whether it's actually going with putting him in at Sam Backer as opposed to one of their useless safeties, um, you at <laughs> least could theoretically plug him in as one of the two linebackers. Because right now, like Mac Wilson, in addition to the fact that the game is going so fast and he's swimming a little bit, as is understandable for a guy who only started one year at Alabama and he's already like played a third uh, of the amount of NFL games that he started college games. Um, but there may be situations where you just want to have Sione Takitaki in there against heavy run teams as opposed to Wilson and then go more situationally. But everything's going to depend on where they feel like Sione Takitaki is with his hamstring and if they feel like he's caught up and ready to sort of do stuff. Uh, and that sort of remains to be seen. But there are certain teams – you know, San Francisco obviously stands out as one that, that they could have used him, but they're going to run to another team like that, like the Ravens again, the Buffalo Bills potentially, yep. where they may want more, you know, Pittsburgh twice. There. Yeah, and and they may want a guy that can, can do those things, uh, and you may want to sort of adjust on the fly a little bit more to your matchups. Uh, look, I mean, if if you're getting gashed by the run, and there's times where they're getting gashed by the run, it, maybe this four two five isn't. And look, adjust. Uh, you know, just find a way. Um, Demarius Randall's not practicing as of today, and you know, look, I, I, Demarius Randall right now is probably essentially sinking his own battleship, whether it's true injury or not. Um, that that <laughs> that ship has sailed. Um, as much as everybody's going to love the handoff to Hugh. Uh, Demaris Randall's going to be playing somewhere else in 2020. There is no doubt about that. Uh, for oh, all my Jets fans, uh, Sam Donald's already thrown a pick. Devin McCourty, fantastic safety, fantastic player. Pete, NFL wise, Brown wise, anything we've missed? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, we covered the trade. Um, Obviously, we got eight days here till next Tuesday, and you know it, it looks like it could be you know another year where there's a good amount of activity, still some players there, and uh, you know look, I mean some of these teams just gotta realize it. Cincinnati, stop fooling yourself. Washington, stop fooling yourself. Miami, I don't care if you gotta trade the cheerleaders. If you're gonna do it right, Pete, tank your freaking asses off. Well, I mean, like if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, it's a question of not just you know, potentially getting some assets, but if you're trying to really move on, it's also about creating salary cap space. And in their case, they've got some guys who make significant money and, you know, getting, moving on from some of those guys could help them in the long run as far as cleaning up their cap. Uh, The problem is some of those moves involve dead money and that ain't Mike Brown's bag. So that's where it gets me comes tough uh you know the the question is should the browns be buyers or sellers you know i don't i don't think the answer is either i think it's probably neither one i i could see the browns absolutely making a small trade uh where maybe they see a player they like and, and want to give a you know a late draft pick for them or something along those lines i'm, I'm hoping uh they don't go the big trade route because i just don't think it's going to end up being smart for them given what's what the landscape is uh, I'm hoping Washington can continues to hold their ground and not trade Trent Williams. Cause I, 
it, you know, there are teams where he makes a ton of sense, New England being one of them, but it's just not here. Nope. Um, so I'm hoping it's a pretty quiet trade deadline as far as the Browns are concerned. Um, and look, in whatever player they bring in, it's not where he's going to be significantly within the fold within two weeks. And look, it, it's, it's, you get to two and six. That's where you start questioning where exactly this is headed. Um, so anybody you bring in, you know, either this week or next week, they're not going to be able to do a significant amount of damage where it's going to change things. It's not like you don't have wide receivers. It's not like you don't have skill players. It's not like you don't have a quarterback. Uh, if somebody's got an extra solid right tackle, sure, we'll take them. But if you have an extra solid right tackle, he's going to go for a good price. Um, if you need a little pass rush help, play Jannard Avery. Um, maybe something at the linebacker position, but you can always kind of find a linebacker if you want to move on from 12 defensive backs. That could be done if you really need to do it. Uh, the rookie specialists are doing their job to this, to this point. I, I don't see the, – the issue here is cohesion. It's not talent. More of it is cohesion. You know, if anybody wants to give up a, a you know, a Pro Bowl right tackle, sure, we'll take them, but – other than that, I don't know what's going to happen within the next eight and a half days or so that's going to change things in any way. Pete, Browns, maybe what's the latest? Uh, I did a thing on Freddie Kitchens and his first six weeks. Uh, I'm working on something for tomorrow uh, that will probably piss off most people, uh, which is fine. Um, but We're used to it. But it's it's – you know, it's the bye week, so I'm going to go ahead and look ahead at 2020 and start getting a semblance of where those things are at and get a start, start getting an idea of what's to come in uh, the draft process. So that's what I'm working on. I don't know if I'll be done with it but for tomorrow or Wednesday, but that's coming at some point. You're not looking at quarterbacks, though, right? Because apparently, you know, because the Ravens won yesterday, apparently things just got really worse for Cleveland and – it's time to maybe look at quarterbacks. Well, no, that's not gonna happen. we start with, mean, look, look the, the one thing Go I ahead. have an issue with, the one thing I have an issue with, look, Lamar Jackson was great. It. He was great. Like there's absolutely, yep. he cannot revolutionize the quarterback position. You cannot just go out and get a Lamar Jackson, just like you couldn't go nope. out and just get a Randall Cunningham, just like you couldn't go out and get, well, you could probably go get a Michael Vick. You just put a receiver there. You can't throw. Um, but, well, no, just somebody who could throw at 75 yards but runs a 4-2. Right. Uh, Lamar Jackson is, is unique and special in part because he's so rare. He's got unbelievable athleticism, but he's also a kid who's ascending as a passer. Um, you, you can tell me all day how you want to build your offense around that. Now go out and find the guy who can do that. It's They're rare. It's just you know, it's the same deal with by, by saying like Pat Holmes is, is revolutionizing the game. Okay. Go find somebody else who can do that. I mean, there's, you know, you're, you're sort of limited by things that exist. So, you know, like Randy Moss, you revel. Okay. Go find another guy who's like six foot four, 200 and something pounds. and can basically run like a gazelle and track down the ball the way he can't like some things have to exist in order to sort of be copyable. So, um, the Ravens are were very bad for the most part. Uh, defensively, they got a little bit better, uh, but 
Lamar Jackson's receivers were not helpful yesterday and he had to do it all himself and he, he did and it was great and all those things. Um, I, I think Seattle was a terrible matchup in their front seven to deal with him and that played a big part and they obviously had turnovers, which is what sunk the Browns against the Seahawks. It was the same deal and what has sunk the Browns in every game. Well, that's what killed the Seahawks. Yep. Russell Wilson hadn't thrown an interception the entire season and then throws a pick six to uh to the to the to the Ravens and Marcus, Marcus Peters, Peters uh you know in his first game which is interesting just because Jeff said he would was was going to be useless to them um that you well, know that that's turnovers turnovers win, you know turnovers are a big factor and that's what settled the game and ultimately the the when the when the uh Seahawks were trying to get back into it DK Metcalf, who's another guy that people need to come back to earth on. He's very talented, but the inconsistency is wild. Uh, who just dropped the ball on the ground, uh, was picked up by the Ravens and scored for a touchdown. And that was that, that sealed the game. So turnovers are a huge deal. That's what's been killing the Browns. And if, if they stop that, they will be in great shape, just like the Seahawks have been. Uh, if they don't, they're going to keep losing games like that. And that's my big takeaway. The Ravens still have to that, – the Raven, that's the first Ravens game where they won a big game. They beat a very legitimate team. They beat them on the road, and they yep. get all the kudos for that. But they have not played really anybody else. And if, 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 if your takeaway is anything, is the Browns dominated the Ravens and, if not for turnovers, should have beaten the Seahawks, can clearly play with both teams. So if they just get out of their own way, they'll be in great shape. Kind of funny you went on the Marcus Peters point, which was an errant pass for a pick six, and well, didn't mention just, my name. It didn't mention my name as far as anything Lamar Jackson, whereas I was the one banging the drum saying, if you give this kid a chance, maybe he can actually be an NFL quarterback. It's okay, Pete. It's okay. We're boys. It's good. We forget things. And we always got to jab each other. That's what I, makes us I, I, I think – John Harbaugh and, and company deserve a ton of credit for what they're willing to do. Although we're, we're puffing that decision to go for it on fourth down up way too much. It's fourth and two. You sent the field goal team out there, called the timeout and then decided, Hey, I've got a bunch of big fat kids I can put in there. Let's run this super athletic kid behind them. Wow. Brilliant. Inspired move. Like John Harbaugh is a really good coach, but come on. That's not, that wasn't the move where you go. Wow. Why did you well, literally, you did not need to reconvene to call that play. No way whatsoever. Um, it, it, he's kind of like your – that's the joy of Lamar Jackson. That's where you look at him like your Tavon Austin, Tavon Austin or your joystick, and, oh, we'll just do something here special where you can just – the big boys will just mess with the big boys and the young fast the young fast guy will just run around everybody. Uh, with that, we'll put a bow on this. Uh, obviously, uh, Pete over uh, Browns maybe, uh, you know, uh, through SI. Click on anything Browns over there. You get through to everything that Pete and everything that they got going over there. Make sure you're following at Browns Maven on Twitter. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith. The show itself at Locked On Browns, all lowercase. Always a follow back account. DMs are open. Anything you got, question wise, anything you want on the show, send it over that way. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are always open over there, guys. Questions I ask, you know, a lot of you, and this seems to grow more and more. A lot of you folks listen from Europe, uh, you know, whether it's just general football questions, you know, when me and Pete throw out terminology, whatever, I'm cool, guys, go ahead. 
If I got the time, I will certainly answer it. I appreciate it. Like I'll always say, as many people you listen to the show every day, I'll do everything I can to try and accommodate you folks. Uh, we'll get through here Monday night. We can start getting more Browns Patriots specific. Uh, this is like the weirdness of the primetime games with the Browns playing in them, with the opponents playing in them as we get through, you know, a week here, uh, you know, putting together a week of solid show for you guys, week of solid shows for you guys. Uh, ben, your daily delivery of all things dog pound LGB on the LOB. Uh, enjoy the rest of Monday night. Tuesday, we'll get back going, get some PFF with John Costco, some stuff with Pete crossover, all that stuff. We'll start putting together a good week for you guys. As we get to the four 30 national game, Browns Patriots in Foxborough with that, everybody have yourselves a great night.